From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 305. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's and Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like giggling already because you said 305 and I like went, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know why that hit me all of a sudden. Like we've been, you know, at at high numbers for a long time. When I don't know when you said that, I like. It got me a little like bit. I was like, in the 300s what the crap? now. You know, yeah, like, it's, I, it's just, this is where we are now. We're moving through. <laughs> I went, I went, wow. And I don't know why, you know, episode 300 didn't make me do that, but 305 for some reason got me. How are it's you today, fine. Mike? I'm fine. Very fine. Um, I'm excited because uh, yesterday I got to see and I have watched the first cut of the Kickstarter video um, of the Atlanta Pen Show. And I'm very excited about it because from a visual perspective, it's like without a shadow of a doubt, just like multiples of betterness than last year. I can't think of a right way to put that. It's like multiple <laughs> times better. Of betterness. There you go. Multiple betterness than last year. Um, the Hackett's upgraded their camera equipment uh, prior to doing the show. And you can mm-hmm. tell. And there's lots of different camera angles and there's more B-roll footage than ever and it all looks incredible. Um, They're kind of putting the finishing touches on it now, like color grading Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So basically keep your eye on your email if you're a Kickstarter backer. Um, It is imminent. I I would be surprised if within the next week uh, it it wasn't out. So make sure that you keep an eye out for that because we'll be sending it... um, to you if you backed for the mm-hmm. video and you're going to love it it came out really 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 great this year i'm very very happy with it yeah i'd tell you how awesome it is except for the part where i only saw pictures in our little our slack room that we have for this mm-hmm. show and so we got on got on the air pre-show mike's like did you see the video i'm like no i saw the pictures they look great i think it's going to be cool he's like wait a minute did you see the video the video's in there i'm like oh i missed yeah, that it, part. it so, was shared with brad Brad just didn't see mm. it. And it mm. might have been because <laughs> Des- after they being sent it, in the room. I uh, started sending all of my feedback. So, which was uh, basically so just up like, on me. oh, this sounds looks so good. Oh, wow. The audience, because like the audience sound is better this year as well. So, like, it's easier mm. to hear people's reactions to stuff. But yeah, it looks really legit. I think people are going to like this one a lot. What I gathered from not seeing the vid- video is that when. The two non-pin people, that being Mark and Stephen Hackett, are excited about how it turned out. It, it's got to be good, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I fully intend on this being the the best one ever, and uh, I will be checking it out tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first cut, and then yeah, like Mike said, probably in the next week or two, look for an email. You'll have the uh, have the access to the first of many things we are sending all of our Kickstarter backers this year. So yeah. this gets the ball rolling. So I'm excited. Yeah, it won't it won't be long. Um, I, honestly, I reckon it'll be done in the next couple of days. Awesome. So we do have a few, more than a few new things. I wanted to touch base, check in on, get your opinion on, say a few things on uh, from the from the new release product product uh, catalog, if you will, the product catalog of the internet. That's what the stationary world seems like. The Right Pad Secure Edition. I mm. swore we talked about these on the podcast Mm-mm. before. I may have mentioned them in passing, and I went back through the notes before I wrote this down. I was like, I know we talked about this. I had to have talked about this, right? And I couldn't find that we talked about it. We have didn't. we not talked about no, how amazingly beautiful these are? There's no way I would forget these. <laughs> when did they come out then? Just a couple of weeks ago. So like maybe two weeks ago. So it's been very, very recent. So it's like a cherry blossom, right, is what they're going yeah. for design-wise, and it is stunning. I I love it. Yeah, so I am very partial to anything cherry blossom. Um, Baltimore, obviously, being in the in the D.C. area, they're known for tons of, of cherry blossoms and cherry blossom events. Macon, Georgia, of all places, is known for its cherry blossoms. We have a cherry blossom festival every year. Um, I have, let's see, four large cherry blossom trees in my yard. That are just stunning for about one week out of the year. Then they just look like normal trees. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I didn't even get a picture of them this year because they, the blooms come and go so fast depending mm-hmm. on the weather. And we've had very weird weather. But I love anything Sakura or Cherry Blossom 
related, and they nailed it. I mean, this is just a beautiful edition. It's kind of outside the norm for write notepads. They did a stapled edition, which they've always done like the perfect binding or or whatever they call the like the the flat binding on the sides, not with the um without staples, but these have rose gold staples and just beautiful covers and heck the belly band is awesome like you know that's the part that you throw away or keep in a drawer somewhere i don't know i'm fascinated by these i've ordered mine they are on the way i don't have them in hand yet but i can assure you i'll be talking more about these because i love right notepads they're very so, good looking really yeah. i i think that this has been a consistent thing that right notepads are doing some of the most interesting design right now and this has mm-hmm. been like a consistent thing for a while that these these notebooks all look amazing. Yep. And I failed in two aspects at the Atlanta Pen Show, Mike. One, I was supposed to bring you some pencils. And two, I was going to oh, bring yeah. you a sampling of write notepads. Oh, for two. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, it didn't really work out well for me. It's fine. Just just remember it for October. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see, I'll see you soon enough. Uh, I'll see you many times this year. Or I could always uh, mail mail somewhere in advance on your travels yeah. in the US. <laughs> You'll be over here enough the shipping will be easy. I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, send something to one of your other friends that you're visiting. So, yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, I'm I mean, great job, Chris and team. And uh I'm going to I'm going to put the screws to Chris, Chris Roth, the uh the owner, founder, creator, designer, printmaster of Write Notepads. I'm going to put the screws to him right here. Me and him are working on something on, on the back channels. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition. But if it does, it's pretty awesome. He's excited about it. I'm excited about it. We'll see if it happens. Um, there have been designs uh, traded amongst mm. us. Okay. And I'm pretty pumped about it if it happens. So there you go. There's one of my teases that may not ever happen, and you can all yell at me later. How's that? Sounds fair. <laughs> On the notebook front, let's keep it there. I got I got three new notebook products I want to talk about. Today. Okay. The right notepads being one. The story supply Ithaca notebooks being two. I think that was another one we failed to mention. This is a new yep. limited edition from our good buddy Vito and Gabe over at Story Supply. We got to see this new edition. He launched it at the Atlanta Pen Show. And then we proceeded not to not to share it on the podcast with the rest of the world, which we always like to do. We share the awesome things from our friends. And y'all know how much I love what Story Supply does. The quality of the paper that they use, it's super fountain pen friendly. Yep. they. I love this co- cover because it's dark blue and has these orange staples that are really sweet. Yeah, it's a good color combo. And I actually have a pack of these to give away. I think he's only doing like two or three hundred, three hundred, three packs maybe of the small ones, something mm-hmm. like that. I I got a pack from him at the Atlanta Pen Show. I'm giving those away on the blog this week. So we'll have the link in the show notes to go over to penaddict.com and join in on this giveaway and it also reminded me i wanted to have a discussion about one of my least favorite topics and that's paper sizing mike okay (laughs) because it's paper actually paper weights is the worst topic paper sizing i'm okay with paper like paper like weights and you know grams and pounds and all that stuff that's a much more painful discussion Paper sizes. So a lot of talk happens around the A5 size. That's kind of the common, most popular, usable, standard notebook size that you see. It's kind of right in the middle. A4 is like your big, you know, eight and a half by 11 pads. And that's the wrong dimensions, which is what we're going to talk about. And then the A5 is like around your five by eight pads. That seems to be like the most portable, most useful size. So... You will see a difference between makers and what they consider A5. And I have I had a discussion with Vito about this, and I yelled at him mockingly. But there's actually a reason why people like Vito and Story Supply make an A5-ish notebook. Or whatever they whatever any company that's making notebooks in that five by seven to six by eight five by eight range calls a five ish or you know smart sizing i think baron calls it smart sizing maybe something like that but it's all a five ish and they say ish because it's not a true a five a five is a fixed international standard measurement 
And as we've gone through at Knock making our A5 notebooks, <laughs> <laughs> we found out why people call them go with A5-ish. Because our paper suppliers in the U.S. that our printers are buying from, you know, big pallets of paper, are not coming in these international sizes. So to make a true A5, which is what we make at Knock, you have to pay for extra paper. You have to pay for waste because mm, you're not you getting... Cut, right? You, yes, so we have to cut to the real A5 size. So it's really the American paper market. So the, the paper is being is, cut out of larger sheets, and what most mm-hmm. companies seem to be doing is making them slightly larger mm-hmm. because then you don't waste any paper. But if you're right. going to cut A5s out of these larger sheets, you will have like really thin strips of waste, right? Yes, okay. and not not get enough not get the same quantities that you would get if you took the full sheet and made it into the size that you're going to make. So we actually pay more for our A5 notebooks. We pay a premium to our printer to have them the exact A5 dimensions. That's Why do you we do that? To do. Because I believe in standards to a degree. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so you can all suck it. <laughs> because no, because A A five ish doesn't doesn't have any meaning, right? It means something different to everyone right, else. The thing is, I mean, I assume one of the reasons that you make your products A five is so they can go in your A five seed notebooks now, right? The well, seed it's the cases. other way around. It's the other way around. We make A five paper so we can make A five cases. And we can say those cases fit A5 notebooks. Yeah, but uh, that's what I was going to say, yes. But then, because you make the cases, you have to probably make them a little bit larger to fit the A5-ish, right? Yeah. Well, and they they fit... I mean, it turns out you, you the notebook cases have more tolerance in them than sure. the paper, right? So they fit lots of things. They fit your A5-ish stuff. Right, but, so, but um, my, now my point is, so why don't you just go A5-ish now then? Like, because your case has to fit it anyway, and you'd be saving yourself money and hassle. Like, because I, I wouldn't standards. be able to sleep at night for all the emails I would have in my inbox about what size exactly is your notebook. Well, why don't you just do the thing where you don't say it's A3 or A4 or A5, you just say it's X point X by X point X, right? Like, which is, you know, that's what like all the pocket notebooks are. They, they aren't, uh, like, p2 or whatever they're not they're not given that <laughs> name they're just like oh this is three and a half by two and a half or whatever right like you right. know you, and, and i assume that that's what a lot of people do right like i'm looking on the story supply website and mm-hmm. that's how uh Vito and gabe they they say it is like 5.25 by 8 like they're not saying like oh this is a5 even right. though it is then they even say a5 ish later on but i right. guess you know it's listing the dimensions as opposed to the standard yeah, because it just opens you up to more questions. Yeah, I understand. And I would rather fit into us. I would rather fit into the rest of the world standards than what some random, you know, American paper mill decides. I expect that if you put those inch sizes on there, you then just get a bunch of questions from people saying, "Does this mean it fits an A5 case that I have, mm-hmm. or whatever?" Mm-hmm. So, do you yeah. not get those questions then because you say it's A5? Like, because right. you're not still getting them? Right now. Okay. Or if someone says, well, what size is A5? You know, I can just go to Google and there's just like an international chart there that says it's exactly sure. this and that's what it is. So, yeah, I understand. Like, what I'm saying is I understand both parts of this. I understand yeah, for your sure. uh, desire for conforming to the actual standard of paper sizing. Um, mm-hmm. It is super weird to me that those standards seem to not be built upon logic of how paper is made. That just seems like a very strange like thing, or that like paper suppliers don't make rolls that can conform to international sizing standards. That just seems really strange. Yeah. But hashtag business, um, right? But what I'm saying is, I also understand on the other side why a lot of companies don't do it because the whole industry is built around accommodating both. So why right. would you spend the extra money or waste the time, waste the energy, waste the resources? Mm-hmm. When people like yourself who are also making cases, their cases will fit a five-ish notebook. So, like, why you don't actually have to fight for it because you're not going to have problems on that front, maybe. Right. 
And so, I mean, I think it comes down to a couple things. One, you know, if you're a notebook manufacturer, are you, do you want to take a stand on a unique size? You know, that's cool. Like, we chose to ch- pick a standard, mm-hmm. you know, instead of saying our size is the best. We chose yeah. to go with a standard. And then secondly, in the U.S., it is a cost discussion to have. So I, when I was talking to Vito about this, and like me and him know these things, and I, I realized when we were having this having this discussion that I don't know that we ever explained why a lot of manufacturers go with a five ish instead of like the pure a five. So I wanted to, to bring that up. Yeah. I, um, you know, yeah. I didn't even know that this was a thing. I just assumed whenever I look at those books, like that's an a five book because in my brain, like when right. I look at it, I know what that means, you know, but I, I actually had no idea that there was this range of what, is like considered to be colloquially A5, right? Like it's right, not, right. not accurate, we, but it's what we just, just call it A5 for the sake of it. Exactly. We we all know what that size and shape is approximately. It's mm-hmm. A5. Like we all point out and say, oh, that's like an A5 notebook, like mentally. Yeah. Even though the dimensions can be changed on the, the width and height of the notebook. So, woo, that was fun. We it? all appreciate you standing for the good fight on this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm all for metric system worldwide, so that's a whole other fight we can we can have one day, but I know I won't have to fight it with you. Celsius or Fahrenheit though. Oh, you know what? I am I I, I could be I could be talked into anything on that one. Uh, my feeling is don't don't tell Casey List because he gets too excited, but um mm. I whilst I just use Celsius because that's just how my part of the world is built. Um, mm-hmm. I can understand the vast benefits of Fahrenheit in, in I, I like mean, temperature control. You know, yeah, but if it's a it's a zero based, the zero based is what Celsius? makes it great, right? Like that's why right. I like it. Like the zero to one hundred, like freezing to boiling, right. that's what makes the sense to me. So like, right. But I just mean purely from a temperature control perspective, like air conditioning, Fahrenheit makes a lot of sense. But in cooking right. and in science, Celsius makes way more right. sense. Yeah. So aside from upsetting everyone uh, who listens to this show, what else are you having mm-hmm. notebooks before we take our first break? We're <laughs> we're gonna wreck everything I just said here mm-hmm. um, about A five ish because oh, I want to talk. <laughs> I just opened this link. What are you doing? <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna destroy the world here with the Yamamoto Robiki notebooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the I got these last year in San Francisco because I got to meet uh, Taizo Yamamoto of Yamamoto Paper. He was the one doing the paper tasting at San Francisco Pen Show. Do you remember me talking about that last year? I sure do, because the, the phrase makes me laugh every time. Yeah, it's a wonderful name, isn't it? Yeah, but I imagine people just licking notebooks. Like <laughs> so Taizo comes from a printmaking family. So Yamamoto Papers, his yep. family's business that's been around for who, however long. And he's the next generation and he's doing things differently now, which we love to see from the next generation of family businesses. And that's how you, you stay relevant and keep your business going. So I got handed this Robiki notebook. <laughs> 8.3 inches by 3.6 inches. It's nothing. Long, tall. Yeah, it's it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. It's, it's uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see if they even call it something. I don't think they call they it don't. anything. So like on jet pens, it's just 8.3 uh, <laughs> by 3 by 6. Like it does, it's nothing. It's just nothing. It's great. And it's awesome. It's yeah, amazing. It I'm great. not going to lie. So it's thinner than what you'd say a traveler's notebook is, like the Midori's Travelers. This is taller and skinnier than oh, that. My. I found myself when I was using this notebook, I used it in landscape mode a lot because Ooh. I kind of liked that mm-hmm. look and feel of these using it amazing. sideways. Like the design of all of these notebooks looks amazing. I, I think this so, is really good looking stuff. What's interesting about them is the cover material is waxed, I guess is yeah, the best way to call I it. I can see that in the images, like when they're opening them. There's like an almost like you can see it's not made of like traditional paper and it's also slightly translucent. They call it oh, wax it infused craft paper. Yeah, wax infused, which means it's actually I the way I read that means that it's within the fibers, not an exterior coating. Yeah, which like it's part gives of it the a, paper. And this is just the cover, not the mm-hmm. interior no. pages. That wouldn't work. 
So that makes this cover insanely durable and strong and it wears awesome. It's going to wear in like a wax canvas, like a wallet. Like the one I have is, you know, you start to see like it getting broken in a little bit. It's a really cool look. Some, I don't know, something about these notebooks I really enjoy. I enjoy the covers. I enjoy the designs. I enjoy, enjoy that they're from Japan. I enjoy I got to meet that meet the guy that makes them. And I didn't get any of the small ones from him, but they do have a 3.6 by 5 by 3 smaller, normal, more normal uh, notebook size, even though it's a non-standard notebook size. So yeah, I thought these were, were super cool. So um, take everything about our A5 discussion, throw it out the window. This is the no standards notebook. They're just making something that they want to make and uh, knock yourself out, Tizo. These look great. And I, I love them. I've had one for a while and I really enjoy using it. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Penn Chalet. They have all of the products that you want from all of the brands that you love, and they believe in fast, reliable, and consistent customer service. Penchalet sell products from Kaveco and Sailor. What about Pelican, Lamy, Pilot, and Namiki? They have fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more, along with all of the accessories that you're going to want as well. If you're looking for ink, if you're looking for converters, maybe you're looking for carrying cases. Penchalet have got it. They always have got the best deals that they can possibly do. They have specials twice a month closeouts every two weeks they're always adding new styles of pens every single month you'll find new products at pen chalet they sell internationally they have great shipping rates and they do free shipping on orders of over 50 dollars in the united states they pen chalet's thing their whole thing is offering low prices on high quality pens and backing it up with a 100 satisfaction guarantee they're also teaching us a little bit today and you're going to find out about that in just a second go to penchalet.com right now and click the podcast link at the top of the website when you're there just enter the password pen addict and you'll be able to get your code to save 10 percent off anything at pen chalet but there's something special i want to tell you about today brad did you know that today April 25th is World Stationary Day. I did not know that, Mike. How did you I think, not know that? I'm in the stationary business. We would know something like that, really, wouldn't you? But um, I want to uh, wish everybody a happy World Stationary Day. <laughs> and if you're in the UK, like me, uh, it is National Stationary Week. Uh, because that we are I did fancy. Know because, yes. Like that. We don't just celebrate over one day. Uh, we celebrate over the entire week. So to celebrate this, Pen Chalet have a bunch of amazing giveaways and a bunch of amazing discounts to celebrate uh, World Stationary Day and, and National Stationary Week in the UK. And I'm going to put a special link in the show notes uh, for that so you can go to our show notes at relay.fm slash penaddict slash 305 or take a look in your podcast app right now and you'll be able to see the National Stationary Week and World Stationary uh, day deals, sale, and discount at Pen Chalet. Um, and you'll be able to read more about what Pen Chalet is doing to celebrate um, and also what you can uh, buy on great discounts or maybe even win. So uh, I want to, they've got a lot of entries in their giveaway right now, some fantastic prizes. So you want to go and check it out uh, right now. There's some, there's some really great packs that you can possibly be in the chance to win. Uh, so just go to penchalet.com or check in our show notes and you'll be able to find that. Our thanks to Pen Chalet for their support of this show and Relay FM. I do. Love this week for all of the UK stationary um, people I follow on Twitter because of, you know, the, is it London stationary show? Is the, is that the official name of it? We didn't One of them the happens notes. around now, yeah. Yeah, so it's a whole week and I always see events uh, going on and talks and trade show. So, you know, maybe that's on the radar for one of these years, who knows, but that, I always en- enjoy following that. You see a lot of new product releases and, and things like that around there, so... Speaking of new product releases, has anyone received a Twisby Precision yet? Wait, the Rotring Fountain them. Pen, do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, now I'm, that I'm s- being silly. This is actually, there is quite a lot of, um, it's the hexagonal barrel, right? And we're going to talk it's, about this. Uh, it's one part Karandash. Yeah, you know, it's in one part rotoring, and this is going to come up next week speed. as well because next week we're going to talk about the Y Studio mechanical pencil. But there yeah. is a real problem in doing hexagonal design because mm-hmm. 
Rotring kind of owned that, I feel. Like, just at least I think for a lot of people, especially for me, you know, like if I see something hexagonal, it has to be really, really different for it not to just scream Rotring at me. And I'm sure many people will have different opinions to me on that, and, and that's totally cool. But I just feel like they really like perfected and owned that design in a way mm-hmm. that I think is difficult for a mass manufacturer to come in and try and do. And then, of course, yes, when you add the uh, Karan Dash clip to it, like Twisty did, <laughs> it's kind of like this Frankenstein fountain pen. Uh, but it does look very nice, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the usual original flair that Twisby bring to their products, I feel like. I think you nailed it right there. This... I don't know what to think about this pen. I don't have one yet. I don't even have one on the way. And that's kind of the problem that I see, right? If I don't have, if I'm not jumping through the screen to get this in, get it tested, see what it's all about, like, what's the, you know, am I right or wrong on on this pen? It's like, I don't know what to think about this pen yet. Yeah, it's like the material looks nice. That looks kind of cool. It's eighty bucks for one. Yeah, eighty dollars is expensive, you know. And I, I don't really, I can't look at this pen and really understand what my $80 worth of value is going to be. Especially, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I feel like it's tough for me to let this go just because I've been burned over time. I have no idea what the long-term quality of this pen is going to be like because Twisby have been mm-hmm. notoriously difficult and it's right. a new lo- it's a new model, it's a new line. Mm-hmm. I would always with them, especially because this is a vacuum p- or a piston filler too, right? It's like a it's, piston, mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm always gonna want to wait a little bit anyway for them just to see what the deal's gonna be, you know? Yeah, I'm with you on this, and the reason why I put it in the show notes is because I'm not seeing any like hype train going on this. Like we talked about it when we first saw the pictures. I think it's very cool looking. I don't get the pure rotring vibe like you do. I do see the cron dash clip, which is why I brought it up. Um, you know, I definitely see this as a, a Twisby design. I see more of the the rotring stuff in the um, in the hexamatics at uh, at Retro Fifty One. Those are like super rotringy. Oh, but yeah, yeah it's, mean, it's hard. It's it's hard not to bring it up. I can't remember who I was talking to about this at um, at, at the pen show, but mm-hmm. like, did, I've I've heard from many people. I actually have them. The Retro Fifty One hexamatic is a great mechanical pencil. It's it's really nice. Mm-hmm. But they kind of ruined it by not being inventive enough with the design. Like a company that is incredibly right. inventive with design. It's the same with them. Like I feel like they could do a lot more with the hexamatic than this, like what I think is considered to be classic mechanical pencil. But what that actually mm-hmm. means is Rotaring 600, you know? And right. I feel like they could have done a lot more <laughs> with it than they did. I, I, It is something that I own one of them. Uh, I think I own one of the Apple ones, and I got it because it had an Apple logo on it. But I would mm-hmm. never buy the Hexamatic because it doesn't have in it what I love about Retro 51. Like, it's not original enough. Um, I have a question for you about the Twisby Precision, See because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't understand this, right? It is a piston filler, mm-hmm. but you can unscrew the section, and I can't understand why you can do that. I don't know what that gets you. Why would you do that? I mean... Most most piston, I won't say most, like Pelican's piston fillers, you can't unscrew the section, but lots of piston fillers have sections that unscrew. All of Twisby's, all of Aurora's do. Like all of my Aurora piston fillers, they unscrew the section. Well, like what is that for? It just allows to it and clean it? Easy cleaning, easy okay. cleaning, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I'll say all of the precision pens that I have, you, I don't think... I don't have many. I don't think I can unscrew the section from them. Nor would I really mm-hmm. want to try because <laughs> that's going to get messy real fast, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think you kind of hit it on a little bit before um, and, and when you were talking about other other pens like Retro 51. They fell flat, I think, Twisby on this, on the color that they chose. I For the initial launch of this pen... I wanted something that popped more. I'm used to like all my Twisby pens pop either by the colors that they choose or the lack of colors being a demonstrator, which you get to then get to see the internals of the pen and the color of the ink. And it's like, this is like a, a putty brown gray aluminum mm-hmm. brushed. It's pretty like it. It's fine. I would have almost rather just seen a black or silver barrel or do something crazy colored Re- regardless. Um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see how this pen does. I'll get one um, 
at some point. I'm not rushing out there to get it. Like the Twisby Eco T in blue, I could not reach through my computer screen fast enough to get that pen. This pen, I'm like, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll grab one eventually. Like yeah. that's where I'm at on this pen. Like it's probably perfectly fine. It is interesting to choose kind of brown as your only color. Like, right. You know, it's also very like it, there's just a lot of like we see this every now and then. You'll just get a pen and it's like I can see you made a bunch of decisions, but none of these decisions are the decisions I would have made. Like and and mm-hmm. that's I think that's a lot of the time why some things with some people and some things don't like again like and i've said this before like when i see i see so many pens that are just black Mm -hmm. with gold trim and it's like i don't understand the decisions that led you to making this right like why why does it look that way so again like there are going to be people that love this pen including the people that made it and like that is totally cool but like for me i may love this pen yeah i just don't have it yet i mean i might totally fall in Mm -hmm. love with this pen when i get it like I'm just not like climbing through the screen to like get it today. Like agreed. It's not doing that for me. And you see that the the most unsuccessful Twisby line in my opinion was their classic line, which they did basic solid colors in just, you know, in plastic, you know, just a you know, white, navy, green. And those I think that product lineup just fell flat overall when you have to when you have things like the the eco and the 580 and the minis to compare it to um we'll see i don't know i i'm anxious to get one i'm anxious to read some reviews on this pen there'll be probably a lot of people that review this before me because i didn't even get one yet um just because i'm not super excited about it but my opinion can definitely change when i get it in so we'll we'll see if you have one of these definitely let me know what you're thinking about it so far because it looks interesting mm-hmm. so this is uh this is this is one to watch, so we'll we'll keep an eye on this one for sure. You'll be hearing more about it. Another thing, Mike, you'll be hearing more about is another new podcast in the stationary realm. And we gotta we gotta promote all of our friends in the stationary world because I love all of the creativity that comes out of this community. It's fantastic. This one's called the Fountain Pen Companion. And it's a European based show, Mike. So um you count as European, right? Or are you like an offshoot? Like you're not really part of the European Union. I, I forget these days how I don't England talk standing about is. <laughs> but anyway, this is uh, Urban and Anna. And who is the third person? As I don't click the link. So Urban and Anna and Daniel, who I've followed on online and on Twitter. And I've definitely seen them around the community for years and in the Slack room. So episode zero is up. And... They definitely feel like the Europeans are under, underrepresented. If you've listened to the uh, episode zero, so they're gonna they're gonna make this the European fountain pen show, and I wish them all the best. And I'll be sharing out their links when they post new episodes, so y'all add them to your podcast listener of choice. And uh, I look forward to episode one. I can't wait. It's gonna be great. I think. All right, Mike. You ready to dig in a little bit? As if we haven't already on A5 and Twisbees. <laughs> We're going to get into it a little bit here. Um, with the topic of limited editions and FOMO angst. That's what I'm calling this topic, Mike. The reason is the pen that we spoke about last week, two weeks ago. The new Retro 51 launched by our good friend Mike Dudek in Retro 51 called The System. So first off, Mike, now that this pen has launched, what do you officially think about this pen? Because you've already seen it. You saw it before it launched, and I saw it before it launched. But now that it's public, what do you think just of the pen itself? Then we'll get into the rest of it. I don't own it yet. You know, it's on the way. Um, well, no one owns it yet. Yeah, that's, but, but, no, but my point is going to be that I haven't had this in my hands, mm-hmm. but I think it might be one of if well I know it is one of but might be the best design of any Retro Fifty One I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is stunning in its black, like just all black, and then there are just a bunch of details which are way more than is necessary, and that makes it so incredible. <laughs> like for mm-hmm. example, 
there are these uh, I think called like black like dark matter lines that go around the mm-hmm. planet. It's a solar system design, so you can mm-hmm. see like some some like thin white lines to show the orbits of all of the planets which are represented, including Pluto. But then in between the white lines, there is like black painted on very thin lines, which are being called dark matter, right? Because it's like there's stuff out there in space that we can't see. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, that's like one of my favorite things because it's totally not necessary, <laughs> but it's amazing. <laughs> and it's going to add texture to the pen. Um, I love the little details of the planets, um, like the details of, of Jupiter and stuff. Like it just looks so awesome and yeah it's not it's not like a dot of paint dropped on there it's every planet is detailed and and they are like recognizable as well right um i i think that this is this is absolutely stunning which i know leads into why there is the rest of this conversation today (laughs) but this is this is like easily one of the best designs i've ever seen and the jury is out, but when this thing arrives, it may go to the top of my list, honestly, because it is it's everything I like about these, and then some. Like I'm very, very, very excited about it. So my opinion on the pen itself is no different than yours. This may be the single best design I've ever seen out of Retro 51. Mm-hmm. And that one of our friends made it makes it even more special, right? Like I said, you know, when we were talking about it and I'd just seen the pictures, I was like, this is the best design I've ever seen. This blows anything else away, including the stuff that I make that I love. I'm like, this is fascinating. Fascinating. So they they obviously put a lot into this because the price point's really high relative to like a lot of other limited editions, $47 pen. Um, That's like this is one of those pens that you just go for it, right? If you're going this far, you get everything in this pen that you want and even if it costs more, like this one does. Mhm. So, we love the pen. Neither of us have it yet. Did you order it when they went on sale and were you able to order one at that time? Um So this was Monday a week ago, I think. Yeah, I or mean, Tuesday. okay. So like Tuesday, what whatever day it went on sale. <sighs> this is the, all right. So like, <laughs> Dudek held one for me. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, like I, I, have I no feel bad saying it because like so many people were struggling, but like you well, shouldn't. I actually he didn't hold one for me. He sent a link to me the day before, and I bought it because he he was Good. showing it to me whilst it was like getting ready to You've, be put in. Yeah, you've been long involved in this project. Not not long, but I, I've known about it for a little bit. Like, I've known about it for a bit. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think Mike knows how much I love these things, and he knows probably yes. how much it would break me if I if I didn't get one. <laughs> so, like, he helped me out, and he sent me a, a link, and, and I bought one in advance. And, and, I, and well, I usually I don't care about stuff like that, because it's like, whatever, right? But mm-hmm. I know that there's so there was so much angst around this pen that it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, I, I did get one in advance. I apologize. <laughs> no, you, sh- you shouldn't apologize. Like, you're, like, in the Retro 51 ecosystem, you're an important player, right? Mm-hmm. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's not beat around the bush and here. that you're, doesn't mean that I deserve anything, though. You know what I mean? That's fine, uh, you know? but, but, yeah, he, sure. he took care of you, and that's awesome. So, I knew they were launching. I didn't know exactly what time. And I, like I said, I think it was, mo- I, I, correct me if my dates are wrong. I, I think it was last Monday. Um or last Thursday it was last Thursday actually because I was at Knock <laughs> Woo, so I'm trying to get my <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to remember these things there's, there's been yeah, so it's much last Thursday April nineteenth is when it went on yeah. sale so I was at Knock and then I was driving home and so I didn't get home until about like one forty five in the afternoon my time and they had launched at noon so I got home sat down started looking through Twitter I was like oh they launched. And it was like right at two o'clock, I went to go order mine and I couldn't like that quantity is not available. I was like, huh, <laughs> that sucks. And I was like, maybe there's a glitch. So I tried like two or three times. I was like, nope. So then I test- texted Dudek and he's like, yeah, man, they sold out. I was like, wow, good job. You know, that's awesome. And like I made a tweet. I was like, wow, I was too slow. That's what I get for being in the car at work or something like that. And 
So I missed out on it, but someone jumped in and said, hey, they ordered two. They didn't have any plans for their second one, so I could buy their second one off of them. So great. So I have one coming too, but secondarily. But that leads into the questions. When you, okay, this isn't fair for you because you ordered differently than me. So I'll say this from my perspective. I went to order, went to the order page, read what it was about, clicked my order and didn't get it. And it didn't bother me. Do you know why it didn't bother me, Mike? Because in the product description, it said it was an open numbered edition. The issue is, I know what that means. Nobody knows what that means. <laughs> Not everyone knows no, what that I, means. Okay, so this and is what Mike, I was going to say. Like, I love, I yeah. love Mike Dudek so much. And I, mm-hmm. and I understand that he's struggled with this. And we, again, we're going to go into this a little bit more. But like that phrase, mm-hmm. open numbered edition... You could you could put it in the title of the thing. Mm-hmm. People, that, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think that that phrase accurately explains what this is um, to people. I mean, honestly, right. my feeling is you just don't number it if that's what you're going to do. Like, just don't number it, and then mm-hmm. you would maybe get around a lot of the problems that he did. But I also understand why you mm-hmm. would want to number it because it's nice to number things like right. this. But that phrase needs to be more fully explained and you know this is Mm -hmm. a learning experience for a lot of people i think but just just putting again like open numbered edition in bold in the post like i just Mm -hmm. this is one of those things where like in in an industry lingo becomes a thing and Mm -hmm. this is like industry lingo to people that sell i don't think it's industry lingo to people that buy right and i think that's the issues that Dudek ran into. And I've talked to him a bunch about this and we had a phone call about it, you know, in the aftermath and like how he was going to handle it. And he wanted my opinion on a bunch of things. And the real issue is it shouldn't matter what he says because people have expectations that they should not have. And that's where I start to run into difficulty. Like if you're complaining, there's there's two paths to complaint on this. One, I didn't get my pin because it sold out too fast. You didn't make enough. And two, I got my pin and now you've ruined the value of it by making more of them. All right, and so I that think second one, both of those things are that wrong. One, the second one is like, I can see nothing in that, honestly. Right? right. Like I see, right. I see nothing in that one. In the first one, I can see... Uh, ways to be disappointed, but not angry. Yeah, right. Or like, like I was, I was disappointed. I didn't get mine. Mike, but... you can be angry, yes. be like, "Oh man, I missed it." Right? Like I would have yeah. been about the pink love, but I wasn't going to be mad at Bungbox for only making the amount that they made. Like to them again, like here right. with you, I can be like, "Why didn't they make more of these? They should sell more of these." <laughs> but like, I'm not going to go to Bungbox and be like. Hey, you jerks, right? Like, make right. more pens, because that's just not how it works. That's not how right. this type of business works, right? I think you, right. it's fine to be frustrated about it, but it is a mm-hmm. different thing to do what happened, which was a lot of people were aiming that frustration directly at Mike. Oh, he was absolutely attacked over this. Yeah. Unfairly. I, on and that's every count, unfairly. That's why. Every count. Yeah. No matter what the words in this product description. Think about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You're yelling at someone about a pen. Okay. Ste- take a step back from the internet and understand. Like, I went to go order. I couldn't get it. It sucked. I want the pen. I'll figure out a way. Oh, well. I moved on with my day. People took this too far with how they were treating Mike and telling him what he should be doing. And. That's just not acceptable in this community. I expect better from this community. And it, it trust me, it's not, I, I don't want to put this on the community because it's no one I know that would do this. But, you know, this, this FOMO thing, you know, it's, I also don't want to feel like, and we're going to talk more about this later in this conversation, is I don't want to be a hypocrite either, right? I'm in a weird position that I promote these things that are limited edition and people don't get them. And is it because I hyped it and now they're mad that they didn't get it and it causes them to be angry because they can't manage, you know, not getting 
a notebook knowing good and well that a month from now there's going to be another notebook they can get. So I have real like challenges Mm -hmm. with my position (laughs) in this. It's not an easy thing for me because like I feel like I'm playing both sides a little bit because you know we talk about these limited things and how much we love them and you know makes make hype around things and then you know people get angry when they can't get said things so i that's well, a discussion I that. we can we like, can have on on thursday i was late like i was just looking for my twitter feed and i had like hundreds of tweets in my feed right like i was going from mm-hmm. my timeline and i saw mm-hmm. mike's announcement post and i retweeted it but by that point it had already sold out yeah so like i yeah. fed it because I, there would have been more people that would have seen it. And, like, I had a cu- not many, but, like, a couple, a small handful of replies that were directed at Mike with me included because I tweeted mm-hmm. it, right? So, like, you, you when you press right, reply, right, right. it goes to everyone. And I could see, like, people weren't being crazy, but people were, like, they were mad about it. And I think that this is just one of those situations where everyone could have done things differently. Mm-hmm. Some things should have been done way better but it all got out of hand real fast yeah it's it's too it's it went it's gone too far and like it's just really embarrassing you know right so i want to talk about the second part of what i mentioned which you think is you felt was like the more minor issue i think it's the more major issue and that's people buying this from a collectability perspective Oh no, I didn't think and, it was minor. I, I I what I was saying was if you got mad about buying it as a collector and now you know there's more of them being made, you have no argument. There is no argument. Like you're just yes. being ridiculous. Because uh, Retro fifty ones, as amazing as they are, they will hold no value. Like you're <laughs> not gonna make thousands of dollars in ten years on these pens. Like you're just not gonna do that. Like mm-hmm. the the Abundanza you bought for forty dollars and it was in perfect condition. And that mm-hmm. is a ten-year-old pen at this point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's probably less than what it was sold for. Like this, this stuff is—they're not that they are collectors' editions in that they are numbered and they are numbered mm-hmm. and limited because of the way in which the business model works. Where, like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is, if you do this type of thing with Retro Fifty One, you're kind of fronting up a bit of money beforehand. So, oh, absolutely, you do a limited run because. You're not going to put yourself on the hook for 2,000 pens, right? You do like right. 300 of them. And if you love it and you think it's really cool, you number it because of like whatever. You want to number it. Right. But just putting like number four on one of these things does not make them inherently more valuable. And it's mm. never going to be that. Like what has – like the, like the only way that I can see one of these things is like if Mike Dudek in like five years becomes an international superstar, maybe – Right, like because he starts his incredible country music career or whatever, <laughs> like that. Then maybe his pen is worth a little bit more because of the the rub that he gives it from being a megastar. But like, as this is again probably the best retro fifty one ever made. Mm-hmm. It is not going to be worth two hundred dollars in three years' time. It's just not going to happen. Right. So there's there's two parts of the collecting thing, and Isaac brings it up in the chat room. It's like you're collecting because you love retro fifty ones and you want to. You want to get this Retro 51 yep. and have it as part of your collection. Yep. There's other people that will collect it and buy all the extras that they can for resale value later. And like if, if that's your impetus, I mean, I just believe you're doing it wrong. You have every right to do it. Like That's a thing. You, know, you have every right to do that. I can't tell you not to do that, and I can't tell you you're wrong in doing that. That's just not what I believe in. I'm buying this pen so I can use it <laughs> at my desk, right? So that's why... You know, having that type of mentality going into purchasing it, I don't mind if I don't get one, right? Because, well, I'm going to use this pen anyway. And, okay, I didn't get the chance to buy this one. There'll be another one down the line that I get. But to, like, read Mike the Riot Act because now he's making more of the pen, which he said he was making more of in the beginning, that you're ruining the resale value. I don't even want to hear that argument. Don't even like, put that in front of my face. You know the thing about open numbered, right? My my problem mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't count if you're a collector. If you're buying this to collect, you should be reading that stuff. And you should know yeah. what that means. Like if you are buying mm-hmm. this pen as a collector, not a collector like me, but a collector that feels like value needs to be held, you should be reading mm-hmm. the small print on these things. Right. Right? right if right. you're a collector like me, 
I buy it because I want it in my personal collection. My collection of right. Retro 51s is never going to go anywhere. It's mine, and mm-hmm. I use them, and none of them are in boxes. And I have them all in a drawer. They're just in a drawer, and I like to look at them, right? Like, that's yeah. <laughs> that's the collection. That is as far as this collection can go. <laughs> they are, like, nice things that you can own, and and that's yours. But, like... You know, maybe you can sell them in a lot in like five years' time, but they're not going to increase mm-hmm. dramatically in value. And if that is your thing, you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to buy this pen so I'll keep it in the box for 10 years and sell it. That is on you to read all the fine print. Like, right. right. There is no, so- there's no real excuse for that in any way. And I feel like no element of communication can change it. If Mike was like, oh, there's going to be 300 of these, and mm-hmm. then he's like, JK, I'm going to send another 600 because everyone's really excited. Sure, right? right? Then you can say something. But considering you always said open-numbered, if you are a collector Mm. and you don't know what that means, like, that's on you, though, really. Because, like, you are collecting for value. Like, that is collector's lingo, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So two things to wrap this up real quick. One, I know Mike, (laughs) you, Mike, Mike with a Y, um... The way he collects Retro 51s, I will tell you in one quick antidote. I brought him the Mission to Mars pen that he wanted that he didn't get, so I bought him one. So I brought it to the Atlanta Pen Show. I handed him the pen. He ripped open the box, threw it in the trash, and put the pen in his bag. Yeah. That's how Mike collects Retro 51s, just so you know. (laughs) So that's how much Mike cares about, like, right? (laughs) He's like, I got this pen. It's awesome. I'm going to use it and end of story mm-hmm. second thing the other mike dudek he didn't do anything wrong in this in my opinion the only thing he could have done better was doubled down on the open numbered edition definition like yes he i mean that needed but to you be don't explained. Know, it needed to be explained for everyone like I, I i knew exactly what it was you know when i saw it but not everyone does and that's the conversation we had but the only way he could have resolved that in the beginning and he may you know it may not have even crossed his mind that that not everyone knows what that means no. is to have like this is an open numbered edition and then have like a huge bold paragraph that says this is exactly what open numbered edition means mm-hmm. and that still wouldn't have stopped people from complaining like no, you're ruining the value but at least it would have like at least it would have been there right you know yeah. like it would have been there and and it, it would have been easier i think for him to point at that and be like well, I had this thing written there. Like, what more could I have right. done? Right? Where, like, right. instead we said, so, well, I have always said it was open-numbered. But then he, like, right. wrote a post, like, okay, clearly people don't know what that means. And right. this so is the problem with lingo yeah. is that if you're in an industry, that lingo just becomes vernacular. Like, it becomes part right. of your everyday speech. So you can't escape it. Anyway, this is not in the, in the world of uh, the year of positivity. But... <laughs> I think we were both just upset because one of our friends was upset. And and well, in, and when it, he should have been able to celebrate the incredible work that he'd done, and, and I consider it a, a shame that like he put this amazing thing out into the world and then probably his overall feeling was a down feeling, and that made me sad. Right. So right. what everybody needs to do is go and buy one of these because you won't be upset, right? And uh, <laughs> there's a pre-order list. Join the pre-order list, and then I guess when more are made... I would expect that Mike is probably just going to sell these in waves now. Um, yeah, and it and takes then like you'll get one. like yeah, it's like three to four months just for a like a three hundred unit production run. So mm-hmm. you know this batch will come in the the pre order for the next batch will you'll get notified and and it'll, you can, it'll you get notified on. and then get the opportunity to buy. I don't I don't think you're putting your money down right. Like you just you're joining a list right, and right, when right. there's more, Mike will email you and then you can buy one if you want to. But yeah, that's what everyone should do because. I you know I think even if you're slightly interested in this pen, put your name on that list uh, because I'm sure that when me and Brad get them, we're going to talk about them so excitedly that you're going to want it anyway, right? So it might be, <laughs> it might behoove you to put your name on that list. So really great job by Mike Dudek and yeah. Retro Fifty One for this design. I understand how it went sideways a little bit, and you know Mike's Mike's better from it you know it was a learning experience you know we had a lot of conversation around it and uh like you know he understands some of the angst but you know some of it is is misguided and i just want to make sure that you know as a community we're not playing a part in that and i don't think that we are but it is a thing it is an issue i try to meter those type of things but you know i also get into 
you know, you know, getting into that hypocritical realm that I have to be very, very careful about because I've, I have strong beliefs in, in, in a lot of things and attacking people for, um, something as silly as a pen is, is not one of those things I can support. So (laughs) we just wanted to get that out there. All right, Mike. Um, I shaved this morning. It was oh, a wonderful experience. I bet it was. Yeah. And, you know, I yeah. bet I know why it was a wonderful experience because I bet you <laughs> shaved that? with Harry's products, didn't you? I did. I absolutely did. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, and they are supporting this week's episode with the Pen Addict. Over 3 million people have switched to Harry's, and you should join them. And the reason they've done it is because their products are great at a fair price. Harry's founders decided to create this company because they were fed up with overpriced razors and they wanted to fix it. They know that a great shave comes down to great blades made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. And they also cut out the unnecessary costs, allowing them to deliver you one perfect razor at an amazing price. You pay just $2 per blade, which is half the price for their high-quality blades of what you, you know, half of what you're going to find elsewhere of other companies and other products, just $2 per blade. Harry's bought a factory that's been making some of the highest-quality blades in the world for over 95 years, so you know they're good, and they offer a 100% quality guarantee. If for any reason you don't love your shave, let them know within 30 days and you'll get a full refund. So tell me about what it was like shaving today, right? I want to know everything. <laughs> It was an amazing experience, Mike. Uh-huh. So one of the challenges with having a sensitive, you know, face or sensitive neck or cheeks is blade irritation. And for me, I've never in the entirety of my life had a blade I could shave against the grain and not be a painful experience until I found Harry's. So my neck is a very sensitive area for me. If in, you know, I want to have a nice, smooth, clean shave. I don't want any stubble sticking out when I shave. And so you go, you have the upstrokes. You're going against the grain. And just habitually, all the blades in the past I've tried end up in, you know, red marks, itchy, irritated marks with Harry's blades and shave cream. I can shave against the grain, never have any issues. And uh, it's just a beautiful experience, Mike, and I have a beautiful neck for, to to show for it. <laughs> Great news. Harry stands behind the quality of their blades. They know that switching races isn't an easy decision, so they made it easy by creating a trial offer for you. You can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything that you need for a close, comfortable shave, including a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades of a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover as well. Go to harrys.com slash penaddict right now to redeem your special offer and let them know that we sent you. That is H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash penaddict. Our thanks to Harry's for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mike. So we're, as we normally do, we run long every episode. Like, it's just consistent. So mm-hmm. let's run it a little bit longer and knock out some of these ass TPAs. I think these are pretty good ones, okay? Go for it. All right. One of my favorite Twitter handles, Adorkable. Adorkable. What do you put inside the front blind pocket of your seed case? For me, it's almost universally my Apple Pencil. I'll put in another one or two pens. I've put in headphones and other cables. What I do not put in there or rarely put in there is other notebooks. It tends to be a little bit harder to get out. Um, It's a little more of a, a... a finagling situation trying to get those cases those other notebooks in and out there so i'll put small accessories in there primarily my apple pencil or headphones are the two most common things i have in my seed case and this is the um out, the, the the pocket on the outside of the a5 there's like a yep. a pocket where you can kind of it isn't got a zip right you just like slip your right. hand up and in Right. And uh, receipts are a good place for that to go. You know, small flat items, things like that. And the Apple Pencil is not too large. It, it's, it sits in there nicely. So, you know, you were talking about the fact that you forgot to give me a uh, the, all the pencils that you bought me in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forgot to walk away with the A5C case that I wanted to buy <laughs> because I actually need one. And I forgot to get uh, one. So I've got that going. We did a terrible me. job. Just really, job. really disorganized. Uh, Atlanta, I think. For some, it's reason. not that. It's just the amount of busy is mm. crazy there, mm-hmm. and you, my my brain just gets wiped every night. So, like, if I if you told me something the day before, then I go to bed. It's like a full re- system reboot, and in the morning, I don't remember anything else, and unless I write it down. So, I'm writing mm-hmm. this down now. 
All right, seed A5 for Mike. What color do you like? <laughs> hmm, I think I'm a purple guy. All right, I like that. All right. So, yeah, so I, I have a lot of things to ship you. I'm just making a list. So you'll see them next year or maybe, in, good to maybe me. in New York. All right, so speaking of New York, Van the Sword wants to know any word on an NYC Panatic pen, meetup. We will do something. We do not know what it is yet. We'll probably start planning on that in the next couple of months. And yep. no worries. You will absolutely know everything about all the details of what we're going to do on that trip, both in New York and Toronto. I've been asked a lot about the meetup type of situations. That we're gonna have, so you will absolutely have all the information. Yeah, ahead ample, of time. ample warning. We will know way in advance, but we've got quite yep. a bit of time between now and then. Yep, and we have a lot of things going on mm-hmm. that week in New York, so it it should be no issues. Yep. All right, Pastoral Urbanite wants to know what's the significance of a pen that will write with the nib upside down, feet up position. My Lamy. AL star with a broad nib will do it. Could I use it for superscript or subscript? Will I hurt my pen? So answer the second question first. You will absolutely not hurt your pen. Um, And you can do it. You can do it with any nibs. Some nibs, you can actually get a grind where they have an extra writing uh, surface on the top of the nib. Some nibs are better than others out the box in doing that. Uh, Subscript is a great idea to um, use the opposite side of your your nib i'm using my micro architect grind that mark backus did for me today and i found out that that actually has a really good upside down nib writing experience so you can either use them for super fine lines some people will use them for large wide lines like the lower angle upside down you get the wider line you'll have almost like a highlighter type of line so yeah, that's a that's a good question, and uh, a lot of people do do that on occasion. Me, it drives me crazy to write with the pen in that position for more than a second or two. Just it's a mental block type of thing. I don't like seeing that visually. So where did Sam go? Says I like to write in books as I read, but I find when I underline passages, gel and ballpoint ink tend to gloop up, which leaves a blob of ink. At the same time, felt tip pens tend to feather on book pages with toothier or rougher paper. Same with fountain pens. Any suggestions or recommendations on what to use here? Pens or pencils, welcome. So pencils you're not going to have a problem with. They will smudge if you're going back on the same pages a lot and your hands get on there. So what I always recommend in this situation is the Uniball Jetstream in .38. It's not the best like all-day writer because it is so fine, but for the exact answer for what you need to do, I recommend this pen all the time. It is so fine and writes a really clean line and it has you know a few different colors you can choose from like i like i recommend the red one a lot for underlining so that's pretty much the only answer that i'd go for for this detailed of a question and it's a really amazing pen once you use it now if you're trying to write with this pen like write a novel i wouldn't recommend it but for underlining this is exactly what i would use so isaac vining says the last episode convicted me a little bit. I definitely need to sell some pens as I've narrowed down my favorites to the Lamy 2000, Pilot Custom 74, and Twisby Eco T. Pretty much everything else just sits. Tips on where or how to sell fountain pens. I'm glad to hear that. Like, I need to do this myself. I've been talking mm-hmm. about it too long. I need to have round two of the clean out. Um, it's probably about time. Right about now, I'm in a, in a big, big break from going to shows and things like that. And I've picked up more pens than... Uh, any normal human being should have this year. So I need to clean some out. So the best places to sell them, um, one is the Pen Addict Slack Room, which is very active, has a very active sell trade channel. How do people join the Pen Addict Slack? So they will email me, hello at penaddict.com, and I'll send you the link to create your account and join that. That's a great place. Otherwise, the FP Geeks message board, fpgeeks.com, they have a great classified section over there. That's very good. Um, so those are kind of the primary ones. And then I'll have to figure out the exact name on Instagram, virtual pin show. Maybe we'll have to look this up and I'll put it in the show notes or I'll, I'll, I'll tweet you, uh, Isaac. There's actually a really good Instagram channel that you go fill out a form, submit your, um, submit your pin and the price. They'll put it on the Instagram channel and they sell really fast. So that's a good place. Virtual pen show. That's the one virtual punch. All right. So Yes. All right, so Alt Haven, Junie, she has a Nakaya with a M nib, which I found to be meh. 
Yoshida-san of Nakaya is coming to Singapore this year. I intend to grind it to a right foot oblique. Is that a bad idea? Absolutely not. So number one, you could not have, you know, a more better person to work on the Nakaya nibs. Number two, the Nakaya pins are very personal. So like those, those pins, you know, have a lot more meaning than just a writing implement and getting it ground into something that's going to change the stock medium nib from meh to something that's awesome that suits you i that's a great idea i don't think that's a bad idea even remotely so yeah absolutely all right last one and we're going to open this one up to the crowd which is why i put it last because i don't have a very perfect answer for this and i think it's a question without a perfect answer but we're going to give it a shot so this is from my good friend michelle says, hey, Brad and Mike, I think most of us experience the weird ink crystallization, clumpy, gunky nib thing at one point or another. I most often hear this phenomenon blamed on orange and red inks, but I'm just not buying it. I use lots of different orange and red inks, mostly without problems. I've had it happen twice, once with Mont Blanc Lucky Orange and once with Acromon number 28. I used Acromon 28 in mini pens, and this only happened once in my brand new Namisu Ixion. My assumption is that it's some combination of the ink nib and pen causes this issue do you know why this happens i'm sure there's some clear science here but i'm not sure what it is given my experience it's clearly not clearly not specifically an orange red issue many thanks so i i don't have a great answer i do see it more in red and orange inks like you say i don't know why i mean i don't know if it's just the randomness of your Acromon 28 and the ixion and the you know, atmospheric conditions. Is it more humid? You know, the week that you use that pen, I don't know if that causes that be a thing with nib material. It could be nib material with versus the ink. I, you know, this is one of those things where it's not a definitive answer and I don't know that I have a great one. So I want to hear from the, from the chat room and from the listeners. You can, you can tweet at me at dowdyism. I'll send these on to Michelle I just want to read more about this, and if anyone has any kind of definitive do's and don'ts, um, Tony mentions in the chat room, the one I always have heard about, and the one Tony mentions is Diamine Ancient Copper. That seems to be one of the most popular inks, yet one of the most gunkified inks. Like it, it tends to like grow in your nib, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's pen-specific. I don't know if these are more on steel nibs. Then gold nibs, I don't know what the exact science is to answer this question perfectly, but uh, it's it's definitely a thing. And I, I got a different email in my inbox this week, and uh, it was, um, I think there were, one of them was a pink ink, and the other one was a blue ink, so in Lamy's. So yeah, it's a, a, it's a weird phenomenon. I don't know exactly what the causes are, so if you have any information, definitely get in touch. All right, I think that wraps it up for this week. If you want to find our show notes, go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 305. Thanks to Harry's and Pen Chalet for their support of this episode. If you want to find Brad online, he's over at penaddict.com and knock.co. You can also find him on penaddict on Instagram and dowdyism on Twitter. I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week for another episode of The Pen Addict. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.